rescuing. Do you know why we're going through these Beatitudes? We're going through them because as we attain to them, as we set our hearts on these things, we walk into a deeper revelation of God and we walk into that image that we're created to be in him. Okay? That's why we're doing this. It's a lifelong journey, never ends, and it is the journey of blessing. Every single one of these Beatitudes starts with blessed is, blessed is, blessed is. Well, I want to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. You want to be blessed. So we will attend to what he tells us to attend to, and we will get strength, power, peace, purity in our lives. All right? So we're going to go to Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Many translations there say children of God. They shall be called children of God, and I thought about that. And think about, we have a God of peace who sent us the Prince of Peace, Jesus, and a Spirit of Peace, the Holy Spirit, right? He came as a dove, right? And so how can we not, if we walk in the things of him, be peacemakers ourselves, right? So that's our, that's our vision. And the thing about it is, is that Jesus love, Jesus love, Jesus love, no matter what we do, Jesus love crosses every border. Jesus love crosses every barrier. And it enables us then to be peacemakers. Okay? So, when I started studying this, the Lord said to specifically address three kinds of peace. Peace with God, peace with others, and peace with ourselves. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to try to do today. So, peace with God. We all know, I don't have to tell you this, that without peace with God, you will, have, you will not have peace peace anywhere. That's the foundation. That's the cornerstone. Peace with God. Without that, you can't have peace anywhere else. So when we think of peace with God, the Lord brought two things to my heart. And one, of course, is very easy, is salvation. Right? Salvation is peace with God. Even if you don't feel like you, which you, which you never would have when you get saved immediately, you wouldn't have corrected everything in your life, right? It is salvation through the blood. He sees you through the blood when you are born again. He sees you brand new. So salvation. We need to receive from that moment on. We need to receive what that means. So salvation. We need to receive into our own spirits and our lives what the sacrifice of Jesus really did. He came so that we could have peace with God. Remember the, well, for the carnal world anyway, um, Charles Schultz probably made it really popular. <laughs> Was it with Linus, you know, when he read Luke 2.14, and he said on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. See, that's God's heart of peace to us. 
That's allowing redemption. That's allowing reconciliation. That's allowing communion, unity with our Father. And he's given us this beautiful invitation. He's opened the way to our communion and our fellowship with him through the blood, through the cross, through applying the blood on the mercy seat, the veil. Saints, think about this. The veil, the veil at that moment, the veil of division between us and God was rent, torn. You were given entrance into the throne room. So I really, Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Does that give you a sigh of relief? It gives me a sigh of relief. Thank you, Lord. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God is no longer, God is not at war with you. God is for you. He is not against you. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You have been given access into the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. We receive peace from God when we come into salvation. The second word that he gave me about um, peace with God is agreement. So you can become saved, born again, renewed in your inward man, but then you, and that's, all, that's awesome. Then you get to go to heaven and be with him. But there's this process of coming into agreement with him. It's good to be in agreement with God. And so we walk out this life of coming into agreement with him. And I found this marvelous scripture this week. And when I read it, I was, oh my goodness, Lord. What you have provided is so amazing. So we're going to go there to Job 22, 21 through 30. Submit to God and be at peace with him. See, that's where agreement comes in. That's where agreement comes in. Is submit to God and you will be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. This whole scripture tells us so many beautiful things that happen when we come into agreement with God. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. You know, when we do that, life's a breeze. It really is. It's heaven on earth when we do that, when we choose to come in agreement. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. Think about that. Think about that statement. It doesn't say you might be restored. It says you will be restored. It says you will be restored. Saints, it is time to quit beating ourselves up about our mistakes or thinking that we blew it too big. You haven't. 
You can't if you return unto him. Right? He gets rid of the ashes. <laughs> he brings the light to shine. It's a beautiful thing. So if you've gotten off track, if there are places, doesn't mean you have to get off track altogether, but if there are places in your life where, and we all do it, we get off track, he says he will restore. Will restore. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. If you remove wickedness far from your tent and as, okay, this is some kind of little strange language, but I asked the Lord, well, you know, what do you want us to get out of this? It said, and assign your nuggets to the dust. What does that mean? What does it mean to assign our nuggets to the, well, he goes on and he says, your gold of Ophir, that's was considered like the most precious gold, to the rocks in the ravines. When he's saying, assign your nuggets to the dust, the things that we have made too big in our lives, and we think God can't fix them, or the things where we have replaced God with certain affections, certain idols like we were talking about last week, he says, assign them to the dust, they're rubbish. They pale in comparison to what I have for you. Because look at what he says next. Then, then, the Almighty will be your gold. Wow. Can you picture that? Picture that. The Almighty is my gold. Everything, everything that's not of him, it just pales in comparison to what he has for me. The Almighty is my gold, the choicest silver for you. Surely then you will find delight in the Almighty and you will lift up your face to God. Don't you want to lift up your face to God? It's time to quit going around like this. It is time to lift up and see the face of God. It's time to rise up, saints. You will pray, oh, what he says from here on out is absolutely amazing. I, I'm not really so sure that I ever understood the strength that he has given us. These scriptures are absolutely amazing. You will pray to him. He will hear you. You will fulfill your vows. What you decide on will be done. How can he say that to us? Well, because we've submitted. Because we've yielded. You know, there's a scripture that says, commit your way to the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart, right? Because when we commit, when we submit, when we yield, I truly believe that our heart becomes his heart. Our will becomes his will. So he can say that to us. What you decide on will be done. And light will shine on your ways because I have agreed with the Lord, because I have laid something down. When people are brought low, oh, listen to this. When people are brought low and you say, you say your words, lift them up, then he will save the downcast. 
Do you want to be an avenue of salvation to the downcast? I mean, think about that. How, I'm just going to get really real with you right now. How many of you, when you pray for someone who's downcast or it looks like their situation's hopeless, and a little bit in your heart of hearts, you're kind of like, huh, well, I don't know. It's just me praying, Lord. I don't know that that's really going to work. Okay. We're faith people. But I am going to say that I, I'm sure every person in here, sometimes when you pray for a downcast soul, there's that little bit of doubt. But see, God says that he will lift them up. Thank you, Lord, that through my whatever, my maybe where I'm not thinking exactly like you, that you cover it that you cover it because you know my heart. Hallelujah. What you decide will be done and light will shine on your ways when people are brought low and you say, lift them up, then he will save the downcast. He has just made you a blessing to everybody around you. He will deliver even one who is not innocent. How can he say that? We know the scripture also says in other areas that he doesn't want the guilty to go free. But you see, that's between him and that situation. He will deliver even one who is not innocent, who will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands because of you, because you are in agreement with God. That's a lot of authority that you have when you agree with God. I never really looked at this scripture that way. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Lord. Nothing can make me stumble because I love your law. Where I come in agreement with you, you are my protector. Thank you. Agreement with God brings us the peace of God. So we then can become peacemakers. Hallelujah. We become deliverance unto others. We bring peace into their lives. Thank you. We save the downcast because we agree with God. So that was, those were the two things that he told me to bring out about peace with God. Then there is peace with others, and there is peace with oneself. And I'm going to handle these two together because they're sort of in, inextricably entwined. You know, they overlap so much. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, 
It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, now this is, this is our goal. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And you know, this phrase always bothered me. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. See, that's not our goal. We're not supposed to do good to people just so we can say, ha ha, shame on you. That's, that's not, never our goal. That is not our goal. You see, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We do the good. See, God draws by mercy. God draws people by his love. God draws people by his goodness. Okay? And that's what brings the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to condemn anyone. You don't need to convict anyone. You shed the love of Jesus into their lives, and God will deal with them. So see, our motivation is not to heap burning coals on somebody's head. God, the Holy Spirit, knows how to change a heart through his conviction, which is always loving and kind. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for, strive for, go after, chase after. Full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. This is something we are supposed to strive for. Restoration. That means restoration with others. Yes, of course, that's you know what this whole thing is talking about. But in really reflecting on it, it also means restoration with ourselves. Because if we have not chosen, you know how last week we talked about purifying areas in our lives and allowing God to come in and make the changes? See, that's restoration. And really, honestly, until we allow God to restore us, we can't necessarily give it out. Not that God needs perfect people to work. Okay, so I'm not saying that at all. You know I'm not saying that, right? Yeah, you know that. The Good News version here says, Peace begets peace. Seek it out in your dealings with others, and God will bring it to you as well. When we walk in peace, it brings peace. So this is restoration for, with others. But first, how do, how do we get restored? How do we get restored in any area of pain or mistake in our own lives? We have to accept the sacrifice of Christ. We have to believe. See, we are no longer unworthy sinners. You are not unworthy. You are not unworthy. God counts you worthy. He counts you worthy. And so any area where you... Are, do you ever get in a situation and you're like, something comes up and it's just like you just feel this like unworthiness there. See, that's not how God feels about you. He sees you as worthy, as his beloved child. He wants good. He has the best design for you. And so when we accept the worthiness that the blood has given us, it allows us to receive rather than reject his peace in our lives. And we have, to relearn, we have to learn to receive that peace. We have to learn to receive his forgiveness. It's hard when, when we don't forgive ourselves. 
Psalm 34, 14. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek it and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. That's you. And the good news version there, it says, make a genuine effort to strive for peace in all your interactions with your enemies as well as your friends. Wow. I want to do that. I want to do that. We seek peace with God. We seek peace in our personal lives, in our lives with others. And, you know, so much of this, we studied purity, pureness of heart last week. So much of seeking peace, and that makes sense why he put it in this order, why the Lord put it in this order. Because until we seek purity, we oftentimes can't find the peace that we then need to give out. And like I say, that doesn't mean that he only uses perfect vessels. He doesn't. You are earthen vessels. You are earthen vessels. You are not called to be perfect before God can use you. He looks on the heart, right? He looks on our heart. But as we seek purity, we grow and we grow and, and we become more and more changed into the glory of God. So purity of heart brings peace within ourselves and then we can truly bring peace to others. James 4, 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not the other person. <laughs> it is not the other person. You can go ahead and think that if you want, but that's not what's going to bring change. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? that battle within you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet. Covet. Not a good spirit. Coveting spirit, not a good spirit. Coveting spirit, is it, what's really going on there is, is the need to trust God. We don't need to covet anything, any blessing that anybody else has in their life at all ever if you covet another's blessing you're really not believing that God has a blessing for you I don't want your blessing because you know what your blessing in my life is second rate it wasn't designed for me it was not the perfection that God had for me and if I covet your blessing. First of all, I'm not going to get it. God will see to it because I've got the wrong spirit. But if I covet your blessing, I cannot live the ascended life. I cannot receive at that point God's best for me because I am settling for something that he didn't want for me. You are God's child. He loves you more than you love yourself. He has a perfect blessing for you, specifically, individually. That is yours, perfectly designed for you. And that's 
what we trust God for. We don't settle. I could never take your blessing anyway because God loves you too much. So why would I even try? I don't want it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I want God's perfection for me. I want his design for me. I want his design for each one of you. Thank you, Lord. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You see? You go to God, you say, hey, God, this is the deal. He already knows about it. You lay it on the line, and he will bring you perfection. I don't need to covet what somebody else has. I just need to trust God. That's it. I just need to trust God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Okay. Does he give us all things richly to enjoy? Is that scripture? Yes. He gives us all things. That's not what this is talking about. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. The blessing he has for you. He gives you all things richly to enjoy. But you will never, never, I will never, never truly enjoy something that I get out of a wrong heart. Something that I get out of manipulation. Something that I get settling for second best because I didn't really want to take the time to trust God. See, you won't truly enjoy those things. He knows what you will enjoy. He knows what you need before you ask. So if we first get rid of that battle, that's where the scripture started. It says you have battles within yourself. So see, if we get rid of the battle, like we were talking last week, the purity of heart, laying it down, we get rid of the battle and we come into purity and that brings us into peace. James 3:17. You know, I saw this scripture in a whole new light this week. Wow, this was really a week. <laughs> I hope I'm really getting across the revelation in some of these scriptures. Because this one, this one here, James 3:17, is an easy scripture. Every single one of us could quote this scripture. And I'm like, Lord, why didn't I ever think about it like that before? <laughs> so James 3.17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Wow. You know what that means? That means when we walk in purity of heart, when we allow the refining process, we're going to receive God's wisdom because his wisdom is pure. And when that purity grows up in us, when that purity, when we allow the refining fire we become wise in him. Wow, that's so exciting to me. And then look what happens as a result. Then peace-loving. <laughs> Did you, okay, be real. Did anybody in this room ever think about that before? <laughs> I didn't. It's awesome to me. When I allow him to purify me and purify my heart, I receive his very wisdom on the inside of me, and it allows me to be peace-loving. Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. <laughs> That's a good life. 
impartial and sincere. Wow, I just think this is awesome that I get to walk like this. <laughs> and see, these are all avenues. Considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. Those are all avenues that we can bring peace to others. He makes our job pretty easy. <laughs> see, I cannot give out what I don't have. You cannot give out what you don't have. You can't see the fruit if you don't, if the vine isn't there, <laughs> if the vine hasn't been pruned. Hallelujah. But if the vine is pruned, you got a lot to give. You see, what fills me overflows. What fills me overflows. Hallelujah. I want to be overflowing with all those wonderful characteristics that we just read in that scripture. So anyway, last week, if you remember, we said purity. We were talking about purity, and we said it is to will one thing, namely the will of God. It is to will one thing. That's what purity is, namely the will of God. And so when we do that, it brings us into peace with God. It brings us into communion, into fellowship, into single-mindedness with God. That is achievable, saints, in those areas where we're willing to be laid down. James 1.8 says, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. I don't want to be unstable. I don't want to be double-minded. I want to know the will of God and he, the Holy Spirit. What does it say in the scripture? He is a voice speaking to you, telling you which way to go, saying to you, this is the way, walk in it. That's scripture. So I'm not going to be double-minded. 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him. And the people said nothing. They said nothing. He came to them, he's in their face, and he's saying, How long are you going to waver? If God is God... Do what he says. See, I, I don't want to waver. I don't want to waver. I don't want to be shifted between two opinions, tearing my spirit apart. He put his spirit in each one of us for a reason. You can hear him precisely. Every believer hears him precisely. It really comes down to, am I going to have the heart to listen? Am I going to have the heart to agree? Am I going to have the heart to walk it out? But he says he'll be our help. He doesn't leave us alone to do this. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. That's for me in my house. Did you ever think about what that really means? Does it mean you and your heart, house, like you parents and you kids? As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord, yes. Totally. But as for me and my house, I am the temple of the Lord. As for me and my house, 
You can't do it for anyone else, but you can do it for yourself. It is time to stop being couch potato Christians. We do not live. You do not come to a church where the word is not spoken. Application is the key. It applies to every area in our lives. Application is the key for me. It's not okay to just say, all right, devil, you know, you see, you see a problem in your home? You see a problem in your life? It's not okay to say, well, I can agree with the world a little bit longer because I have a gracious God. Yes, he's gracious. He's so gracious that he will hang in there with you that whole time. But in the meantime, you go through a lot more pain than you ever needed to. I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that for me. I want to agree. I want to have one will. Every young person in this room, every person in this room, but I'm going to speak to young people right now, every young person in this room has one, one solitary goal. It's not to look around at others. It's not to say, that person's doing that, so that's pretty cool, I'm going to do that. You lose out every time you do that. It is to set your face like flint on Jesus. You set your face like flint on Jesus and you say, what do you want for my life? What do you want for my life? You settle that in your heart. He will reveal his single purpose for you. And then when you do that, he will bring all the perfection you need to walk in that perfect place. So see, I receive the peace of God reigning in my life because I have chosen to get away the arguments that are going on. Anything that doesn't agree with his word. His word is Trump. His word is Trump. Period. And then, I be, uh, then I can walk in unity with him. Okay, now. I want y'all to really, 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 really hang with me during this part. Okay? You're going to have to really engage your brains. Okay? Hang in. Okay. Because there is, I'm not telling you to go read this book or anything. It was written in 1885. It was written by a, a guy named Hanley Moore. Hanley Moon. And so it's written in like old English. But it is so beautiful. The words are so beautiful. I, I, I couldn't change them. Okay? So we're going to go through this and I want you to hang with me. Pay attention. Because this whole series, this whole, this whole, all these beatitudes that we've been going through. It is how, basically what it comes down to is how to live a sanctified life, right? How to live a purified life. And that brings us into the peace of God. That makes us children of God. We, we, we are the prince of peace. 
who came to be with us and show us the way. Okay? So this love walk, it brings us, the Beatitudes, they bring us into this love walk with God. And it is a lifelong, beautiful journey. So anyway, this Hanley Mool, he wrote this book, and it was called Thoughts on Christian Sanctity. He wrote it in 1885. And he had three things. He said aim, limit, possibility. Okay? Three keys. Three keys. Aim, limit, possibility. And basically what he was saying is, well, here's the deal, first of all. We're, we're talking about being peacemakers, right? Okay, is every area in your life just a little peace? Hmm? Come on, let's be real. Okay, does that mean that you give up on the possibility? No. We don't give up on the possibility of that ever because we know God's nature. We believe God's nature. Okay? So, we never give up on the... You know, and here, do you know why people give up? sometimes on the possibility of God is because they don't want to let the love walk work. It doesn't look like it's going to work. It doesn't look like love is going to change the tide. It doesn't look like love is going to soften the heart. And so we react instantaneously because we want what we want right now. We want to see instantaneous results. So what happens? Someone's angry, we retaliate. We think that's going to fix it. It'll only make it worse every time. So we retaliate. We get angry. We seek mine, me and mine. We riot. Because we don't want to let love change a heart. But God's love will change a heart every time. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he's given us one way to walk. So anyway, you know, the, the scripture says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up dissension. Proverbs 15. So anyway, back to Hanley Mool. Three keys. Aim, limits, possibilities. See, I don't want to take credit for this. And basically, his whole idea was embrace the aim, embrace the aim, recognize the limit. These are carnal limits because we know there are no limits in God, okay? No limitations. These are carnal limits. Recognize the limit and always pursue the possibility. And so I'm going to start reading to you in this old English, and it's pretty much all right out of Scripture anyway. So he defines aim. What is our aim? The first one's really easy. To be like him whom not having seen we love. We have seen him in the face of Christ. Right? But you understand the scripture. To be like him. These are our aims. These are our goals. This is our pursuit. To be like him whom not having seen we love. To displace accordingly in grave reality self 
from the inner throne and to enthrone him. Wow, that's a big statement. Let's go through it. To displace in grave reality, sincerely, with everything that you have, to displace self from the inner throne and to enthrone him. Saints, it is time to let God be put back on the throne of our hearts. It is time to let God be put back on the throne of our hearts. To make not the slightest compromise with the smallest sin. Now, in reality, there's, I disagree with that just a little bit because there is no small sin. I mean, sin is sin because it brings a breach. There's no such thing as a white lie. It's inexistent. It, it, you know, that's compromise. That, that phrase is compromise in and of itself. So anyway, I have a little disagreement there, but I, I get the man's heart. To make not the slightest compromise with the smallest sin, we aim to be entirely willing, nay, definitely to will. That's a strong thing. Definitely to will. I am going to will to do this. To know with ever keener sensibility. In other words, more and more and more, I want to know this. I want to do this. What is sin in us and where it is that it may be dealt with at once by the Holy Spirit? I want to know with keener and keener sensibility what the sin is, where it is, so that at once it can be dealt with by the Holy Spirit because he is faithful and true and he will purify you. Ain't that rhyme? God's a lot of fun. You see, the Holy Spirit testifies with Jesus, doesn't he? So the Holy Spirit will come in and he will show us the places. We aim at nothing less than to walk with God all day long to abide every hour in Christ. Wow. Of course God knows you're working and doing things. That doesn't mean you're not abiding in him. When you're showing patience to your children, when you're giving your children the word, when you're making them dinner, when you're really, really tired and you really don't want to do it. You're abiding in Christ. When you're going to work to provide for your family, you're abiding in Christ. If we are doing it as unto him, as unto the Lord. We aim at nothing less than to walk with God all day long, to abide every hour in Christ and he and his words in us his infallible, incorruptible word in me, to love God with all the heart and our neighbor as ourselves. To live in that, to live in that in no conventional sense. In other words, not to be conformed to this world. Not to be lazy couch potato Christians. To live in that, in no conventional sense, no longer to ourselves, 
but to him who died for us and rose again. Living unto him is gain. To yield ourselves to God, to have every thought brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, to walk and to please him. Colossians 3.23, do all things as unto the Lord. Let the words of my lips Psalm 19:14 and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Mool went on, we said, with open face, we behold the glory of God and ask to be changed at any cost. Beholding his glory, his goodness, and ask to be changed at any cost to exemplify him, to be a witness unto him, to be a light shining in the darkness. All around the circle of life, in other words, in every area of our lives, into the same image of God. What could bring us any greater peace than that? That, when Mule spoke that, it was a reference to 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with open face, beholding in, as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is what God tells us that we have if we choose to receive it. Changed from glory to glory into the image of the Lord. Is there anything else that you need in your life, saints? Beloved children, hallelujah. Okay, those, those are good aims. Are those good aims? Those are great aims. I couldn't have put that whole package together as well as that. Then he goes on to limits. In other words, and here's what he says. Not limits in our aims, for there must be none. No limits in our aims. There must be none. Nor, listen to this, nor limits in divine grace itself. Don't ever limit the grace of God in your life. Amen. For there are none. In other words, there is no limitation to the grace of God in your life. But limits... However, cause, quit beating yourself up, saints, on why the problem is there. He'll reveal it to you. He'll help you purify it. But quit walking in shame because of it. But limits, however caused, in the actual attainment by us, of Christian holiness. That's what this is all about. We're going to walk out these beatitudes and we sanctify our hearts and we become more and more like him, changed into his glory and into his image. Lifelong process. In other words, we have got to recognize that we have limited ourselves. Not of God. We limit ourselves by our choices and our thought processes. And that's the first thing we need to recognize. 
He does not place, God never has, never will, has never placed an ability for us to walk in his glory. Excuse me, did y'all hear it? He's never put a limit on our ability to walk in the perfect, in the fullness of Christ. He says that he will give us the fullness of Christ. We come in agreement with him and we walk in the fullness, 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 not partial. And that's how we receive the blessed life. That's what he's about. He's all about bringing us up into the ascended life. What does the scripture say? On earth as it is in heaven? You think you just like, oh, tch, I'm just going to say that. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no, he meant it. On earth as it is in heaven. Mool goes on. That mind of flesh... Which, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Which eternal grace can wonderfully deal with. You see? Eternal grace can wonderfully deal with our carnal minds. But which is a tendency still. Okay. Are there areas in which you're tempted to react carnally? Yes. But his eternal grace deals with it, if we let it. He shows us the way. He's never silent. The Holy Spirit is talking to you every moment of every day. It's just a matter of are we going to hear it? Are we going to listen? You see, God has told us that we renew our minds, that carnality by the washing of the word by getting in the word and seeing his possibility and doing what he has asked us to do. He, he gives us a way out of every temptation, a way out of every temptation. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's peace to me. And that allows me to be a peacemaker. Mool says, walking in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship with him and he with us. Don't you serve a good God who wants to have fellowship with you? Whose arms are always open? Who will walk in the cool of the day, in the heat of the day, in the cool of the night, through the fears, through the torments? Don't you, don't you love that? And he lets us walk in his light as he is in the light. We yet need to the last, we yet need to the last, for all purposes, forever and ever, the blood of Calvary. We yet need to the last, the blood of Calvary, the blood propiti of propitiation to deal with sin. He's done it. We just receive it. He sees us through the blood. In other words, this is not something we do on our own. In our weakness, he has become strength. 
It is the blood that allowed us to come into the power of Christ in every area of our lives. And it takes the Holy Spirit teaching us to reveal to us the areas where we can grow. We can always grow. We're always growing. It takes us listening. It takes us being willing to change. It's dealt with by the blood. The blood of Christ has expunged every carnal limitation in your life, in my life. The blood of Jesus has expunged it. Every carnal limitation. The blood of Jesus has expunged the curse of sin. The blood of Christ has expunged the ability of sin to hold you in bondage. The blood of Christ has expunged the limits of carnality in our lives when we recognize and accept the victory that God purchased and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The blood of Jesus brings freedom from the worldly limitations of this life. The blood poured out on the mercy seat so that I, so that you, can walk without limits into the very possibilities of God here. So then Mool goes on to possibilities. Are y'all hanging with me? Are y'all, is it all good? Okay, he says, it is possible, I dare say, for those who will indeed draw on their Lord's power. For those who will indeed draw on their Lord's power for deliverance and victory to live a life, how shall I describe it? A life in which his promises are taken as they stand and found to be true. We, tr- we serve a true and faithful God. And we will find that his word stands and is true. And when everything's going crazy out there, his word is the rock. I stand on the rock. You stand on the rock. He does not change like shifting sands. He's faithful and true. He never changes. His word abides forever. It is incorruptible. You take him at his word, and you will find him to be true. Mool says, it is possible. This is, a, this is an awesome possibility. It is possible to cast every care on him daily. He's got big shoulders, saints. <laughs> it is possible to cast every care on him daily and to be at peace amidst the pressure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is possible to have affections and imaginations purified through faith in a profound and practical sense. 
If you have imaginations or affections that torment you or that are askew to the word, it is possible to have them purified through faith in what God has done for you. It is his promise. It is possible to see the will of God in everything and to find it. As one has said, oh, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. No longer a sigh, but a song. I read that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's my heart's cry. I wish I had written that. But thank you that somebody wrote it. You know, Zephaniah 3.17, we put it on our things here. God rejoices over you with singing. God rejoices. That's the heart of this church. God rejoices over you with singing. That's the heart of this church. You need to know it, saints. You need to know it. So anyway, when he said this, he said, it is possible to see the will of God in everything and to find it, as one has said, no longer a sigh but a song. And I thought about that. There are two, well, I thought, I mean, two ways that came to my heart. Two ways that you could interpret that. The first way is that it's not a drudgery. You know, if you take the word sigh sort of in a negative sense, you're kind of like, do I have to? Do I really have to? See, sometimes we look at God's will that way in our life because we think it's going to be way too hard, but it will never be way too hard because it will bring the joy and the peace and the blessedness of, of, of God in our lives. And so, on one hand, no longer a sigh, but a song. I want to, when God says something to me, I want to dance it out like a song Amen. with everything in me. I don't want to sigh at it. I don't want to sigh at God. Oh, Lord, take away that heart in me that would ever sigh at anything that you would will me to do. The second way that I thought about that, it says, with a, instead of with, not with a sigh, but with a song. In other words, not in a whisper, but in a shout, he is going to reveal to me his will. Hallelujah. I, it's not a little whisper. It is a shout, a glorious shout, an unending song in my life. The will of God walked out bringing peace and blessing to me and bringing peace and blessing to others. Hallelujah. I want it to be a song. Anyway, I just love that part of what he had to say. It is possible, he says, in the world of interact and motion, to put away, to get put away, all bitterness and wrath and anger and evil speaking. You can do it, saints. I have confidence in you. And better than that, God has given you the way. All bitterness, all anger, all wrath, all negativity, all negative speaking. It's possible. It's possible to have it eradicated from your life. 
plucked up by the roots, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. You see, that's peace. And that enables me to be a peacemaker. Mool said, it is possible to become strongest through and through at our weakest point. Oh, does that encourage you, saints? It is possible for you to become strongest at your weakest point because of the strength of the Holy Spirit and God working in you. I am strong and very courageous because of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo! Mool says, these are all things divinely possible. I am after the divinely possible. I will see the possibility, I will make it my aim, and I will not receive carnal limitations. Will not. So here's the real question, and here's what Hanley Moore says. How high goes my own conscious aim? How high goes my own conscious aim? And what as to the possibilities of grace are my personal expectations? How high will your aim go as to the divine possibilities in your life? What are you going to expect? That's the only thing that's going to limit you is your own expectations. What are your personal expectations and what are you going to believe God for? That's what it comes down to. What can I believe? What will I believe? What will I choose to believe? What will I dare to believe? Will I embrace the magnificence of God? Will I embrace the possibility of God? Will I embrace the fullness of Christ? Will I choose to believe for all the fullness of Christ? The peace and the presence of God in my life, will I believe for peace in every situation? Will I believe for it? Yes, I will. Will I believe that through him I will have the wisdom... Remember the scripture we read about wisdom and the peace of God to apply through his strength, through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Am I going to believe that? Am I going to believe that for myself? And will I be, a, will I be willing to pay, the, pay attention cardinal cost? Because there is no real cost. Getting rid of carnality is not a cost. Getting rid of carnal limitations. There is no cost too big to do that in our lives. No cost too big. Because in paying that cost, cost in quotes, I reap the blessed reward of what my Father has for me and what my Father has through me for other people. God's fullness in my life and his fullness in others his peace for me, his peace through me to others. I know, I'm wrapping it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Will the devil try to tempt me to walk in carnal ways? 
you bet your boots. <laughs> he will try to tempt you, but he can't win. God gives you a way out of every temptation. Right? Will he try to tempt you? Yes. Will you be persecuted when you hang with God? Will you be persecuted when you hang with God? Yes. Will it be worth it? Yes. So that's what I think the Lord had for us today. I hope it was a blessing to everyone here. We're <laughs> we are going to do communion. I hope you got your communion elements. We are going to take the communion elements. God 